0: is god well um <laughs> pastor uh has asked me to teach and uh, just by direction of the holy ghost we've discussed this and what the holy spirit's told me to teach y'all for probably several weeks on wednesday night we're going to study is to teach you and help you concerning your finances Con- concerning finances and prosperity and you know um praise god hallelujah I mean, we, we, and the, when you were reading that scripture, Romans twelve two, it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what that is, that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I heard the Holy Spirit say, he said, the body of Christ concerning finances has not even come close to to the perfect will of God. Hadn't even got close. He said there's a few in the body of Christ that have kind of nearly got to good, but most of them hadn't even gotten to good, the good will of God, and they hadn't come close to the perfect will of God concerning finances. God thinks so much bigger than we think. Amen? So one of the things we've come here tonight to do is to think bigger and to get our thinking changed concerning finances and to learn some practical things too that will help you concerning your finances. Amen? Amen. Pastor and I, one thing we know is we know how to believe God for money. God has put us in a position to have to. To have to believe him for money. Several, He's put us in that position. It's not always a real comfortable position when God puts you in that position and says, now you've got to learn to believe me for finances. We didn't know how. When we started pastoring, we didn't know how. We had farmed for 10 years and we lived on borrowed money. That's how farmers live, most 99% of them. What you do is you go into a banker and you set up a line of credit. You may say, okay, Mr. Banker, this is, this, this crop's gonna cost me $250,000 to make this crop this year, and I need this much to live on, and so he says, okay, I'm gonna loan you. $250,000 Two hundred fifty thousand dollars this year, and so you, basically, what you do is uh, you call the bank and say, "I need to draw on my line." And so they say, "Okay, how much you need?" Okay, we need twenty thousand dollars this month to pay the bills. And he says, "Okay." So he deposits twenty thousand dollars. At the end of the year, you owe the bank two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You go get the crop out of the field, and you pay the you pay the you pay the banker off. And hopefully, the idea is that you have some left over. <laughs> doesn't always happen that way. Hey, really, you know, and we won't get into the perils of farming right now because, you know, farmers do. I mean, it is a tough profession to be in because, you know, the our government sabotages the farmer by importing stuff from foreign countries and they can produce it cheaper than we can and stuff like that. But we won't get into all of that. But it is a, it's a treachery. It is a believe God profession now, especially, even more so than when we were in it. But we didn't know how to believe God because... Literally, if I wanted to go to Lubbock and spend money, I went to Lubbock and spent money, and we drew a lot, We drew on our line. Now, you know, there is the thing you can run out of money, which we did every September. That's my birthday. I always told him, we always run out of money in September. Our line was, but you know, the, the baker then has to extend the line because you've got a crop in the field, and you have to have the money to get it out. So you have to have some more money. And then I always loved January and February because we'd gotten the crop in and I could go buy something. If I wanted to buy any furniture or anything, I got to get it in January or February. And so, so it was a funny, it was a different lifestyle. But all of a sudden, we were thrust into the ministry, which is a live by the month. So much per month. You, okay, you've got so much per month. Actually, at that time, we drew a weekly salary and we got so much per week. And not even that was guaranteed. It was believed, God, that there would be enough in the offering that week to draw that salary. And I and uh, went along as a minister's wife, just telling you, and I mean just like, oh, I mean just fear, just r- riddled with fear. <laughs> just nearly panicky when the offering bucket would go around, thinking, oh God, will it be enough? And I remember after being in the ministry maybe about a year and a half and being that way, every offering, just the Holy Ghost saying to me one night, Debbie, how many times am I going to have to prove myself to you? And, you know, he didn't say it in a condescending way. He said it in a way of however many times it takes, that's how many times I'll prove myself to you that I will provide for you. Amen. And, you know, there were many years when we started out in the ministry where we didn't get our salary. The church just was not able to pay us our salary. And, and at the end of the year, you know, um, and, and we don't, you understand in a church like ours, there's no board to go get in their face and say, the, bu- the buck stops right here. There's no board to go say, say, I mean, there is a board, but it's not the kind of board where you have a board of elders or trustees where you can say, bless God, you better pay me my salary. And we would come to the end of the year and, you know, it's like, uh, you know, if it it didn't produce and if we weren't able to get our salary, we just had to draw two lines and say, well, let's start a new year and believe God because, you know, you know, there was no, well, let's collect back salary and stuff like that. That's, that's not how it was. And so there were many years, but I tell you one thing, we learned to believe God. We learned to believe him to get our salary for one thing, and then we learned to believe him. You know, to prosper over and beyond what our salary was, not to be limited to that salary, to that paycheck. Right. Man, if we'd have been limited to our paycheck, we would have been a mess. We learned to. We, I mean, we already had begun to tithe before we were in the ministry, but we learned to tithe, and we saw God make make the other ninety percent go further. You couldn't put our it on paper. You could lie. You could write our expenses down on paper and write out how much we gave, and it wouldn't come out. It wouldn't come out. It it wouldn't match. But somehow, when you honor God. It does it, So we know how to believe God. And God put it in our heart to, to teach you, to help you. to You know, we don't always have time to tell you everything we know. So we're going to take a little time here at the first of the year to teach on finances and help us get to thinking like God's thinking. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Okay, so there's some things that affect how we view prosperity. One thing that affects how you view prosperity is religious tradition and how you were raised in religion. What religion told you? Okay? That's affecting how you look at prosperity. How many of you believe that if that religion, if religion taught you something that's not what God thinks, we ought to uproot it, shouldn't we? We ought to get rid of it. So we're going to. Uh, another thing that's affecting your view of prosperity is your upbringing, or in other words, how you were raised. Most people, are, most of us, most people ha- have poverty thinking. Most people do. Now, not everybody, but most people, to some degree or another, some more than others, have a poverty, or we could say, lack thinking. We look at, we view our finances, and view, we view it from the perspective of lack. I mean, and your grandmother, you know, she, she put things in you that are true, but they also are... Um, they are from a lack perspective. Like, well, you know, waste not, want not Which is true that we should not waste. <clears throat> but it was given to you probably from a lack perspective. Amen. Amen? And so from our grandparents and our parents, and you know, we're not here to be critical of them. Because they walked in the life they had. But we don't have to stay in that light. We can get greater light, can't we? And so also another thing that's affecting how you view prosperity are uh, past up, past experiences, different financial situations that you've been in, maybe uh, financial difficulties that you've been in. Those things are affecting how you view prosperity. Um, and then also another thing that affects how we view prosperity is as children and as growing up and, and even now, as we look out and watch people that are wealthy, that affects us how we view prosperity, and sometimes we saw people that were wealthy who had terrible lifestyles and tremendous problems, and we think, oh, you know, we, nearly, you know, as a child, it makes you think, well, I, I wouldn't want to have that, I wouldn't want to do that, because look at the problems that those people have. Well, I want to tell you something: problems don't have to go hand in hand with prosperity. Sometimes they do, but they don't it doesn't have to be that way. Okay, so all of that is some of the things we want to change as we teach this. I want to tell you some common Christian views of prosperity, and you'll recognize these. One of the views that Christians have of prosperity is that God is willing to meet our needs, but not our wants. And you know I know that if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard that taught. You can hear that taught in Spirit-filled churches. You don't even, yeah, today, you don't even have to go to a denominational church to hear that taught. You can hear that taught in spirit-filled churches, that God will meet your needs. Philippians 4.19, we believe the Bible. God will meet our needs, supply all our need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But that doesn't mean that He will always give you everything you want. And see, you. that's a Christian view of prosperity that's wrong. Okay, the second, another Christian view of prosperity is God chooses to bless those he can trust with prosperity. God chooses to bless those that he can trust with prosperity. And then how does that make us feel? The implication is, is that if you're not prosperous, God can't trust you. And you know, that makes us feel bad. But that is one one of the Christian views that's out there about prosperity. Another one is when God talks about prosperity, He's talking about spiritual prosperity. That is a very common Christian view of prosperity, that God really has nothing to do with the money. And you know, there's rich people in the church and there's poor, but God has really nothing to do with it, that really all God's interested in, is your spiritual prosperity. And we're gonna find from the Word of God tonight, we're gonna to uproot that one real quickly. That'll be real easy to get rid of is that little that one right there. Another view, a Christian view of prosperity. Now what this one is, oh, this one is, you know, this is one that, you know, you gotta I just kinda cringe when I say this because this one is hit hits real close to to maybe how we used to think. You know, we are in stages of mind renewal. When our mind was starting to sort of get renewed, but it it wasn't really getting over there yet. Listen to this. A definition of prosperity. More than enough for your own needs and plenty left over to give joyfully to others. Now that one's embarrassing to me because I know I've probably said it. More, let me say it again. More than enough for your own needs. A definition of prosperity. More than enough for your own needs and plenty left over to give joyfully to others. And you know, as good as that sounds, that still is so woefully short of God, how He views prosperity. Not just, plenty enough, not just enough for your own needs and plenty left over to give joyfully to others. God has a lot bigger perspective of prosperity than that. Amen. Now the body of Christ is a little bit afraid of this subject. But family, we shouldn't be afraid of anything that the Bible talks about and 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 it's so it's really so obvious here you're going to see it tonight. It is so obvious that it's like why how have we missed it? Well, we missed it by being religiously brainwashed versus spiritually taught, and we also missed it just because we hadn't focused on that because we really felt like it was more important to focus on the spiritual side and, 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 uh, and didn't realize that money was, part, was the spiritual side also. That, that, that it's spiritual. And so we, we, we just have missed it. We've read through the Bible and, 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 and missed those scriptures. And just hadn't seen them. And, and just really never grasped the hold of them. Because, just because the, nobody, I guess, has took the time to teach us and put the emphasis on that for us. And we don't have to be afraid of anything that the Word of God has to offer us. No more than you have to be afraid of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and of speaking in tongues. You don't need to be afraid of anything God has to offer you. And He has prosperity for you. And most of the, a lot of the body of Christ is afraid of it. Afraid we're going to get over there too far and get too imbalanced or, or whatever. But I've never seen anybody do that. I've never seen anybody who 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 loved God and was had their priorities right and was seeking first the kingdom of God and who was prospering abundantly. I've never seen them get over there too far, and I wonder what would happen we if we got over there too far in prosperity. Now, I know you could get too far in prosperity if you were getting it the wrong way. You know, you could if you're dealing drugs, you you know it don't matter if you're poor or rich, you're on the wrong track, you know. It don't matter if you're prospering at it or not. Right, but when you're on the right track, I mean, what could happen? What could possibly be go wrong with us having just abundance? What could go wrong? The worst thing that can happen to you, and it will happen to you, this is the worst thing that can happen to you. If you keep your priorities right, you stay seeking first the kingdom of God. And you keep your priorities right, and you prosper. Abundantly, like we're going to see tonight. Let me tell you, the worst thing that could happen to you, and it is going to happen to you, is persecution. You will be persecuted. You will be persecuted for prospering. The devil hates a committed, priorities right, prosperous Christian, and you'll be persecuted. You'll be criticized. But, you know, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, so I want you to come into this uh, with an open mind. Uh, I want you to let God take you somewhere by receiving fresh revelation from His Word. And I want you to, I want you to just open up and say, Okay, God, let's see it right the way it is, the right way it is for the first time. Let's see it, okay? And so we're going to open our minds up. We're not going to say, oh, man, you know, now this might, you know. And, and, you know, I've noticed, and this is just so erroneous, it's like sometimes people feel like if, if we put too much emphasis on prosperity, we need to be putting that over there on souls. But, family, the more money you have, the more emphasis you're going to be able to put on souls. Because if you don't have much money, you're having to put all the energy and all the focus on your life to juggling the checkbook. I know, and you know, and kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. Kind of, well, which bill can we kind of pay this month? And you know, and you know, you know what I'm. Y'all don't know how to juggle. Y'all are proficient at juggling, actually, because we've all been there. Amen. And and, and, you know, and you're you you you're putting your you're putting your emphasis. We're really not free unless we're prospering. We're really not free unless we're prospering. Amen? And, and, and now don't get me wrong. There are degrees of prosperity. And all of us in here, can. Pastor and I are prospering, but by no means have we reached the perfect will of God and we're increasing every year in prosperity, we look at our giving record. We have our giving records wrote down, and I would encourage you to do this, from 1981. That's as far back as we've kept the records. But we actually have every tax return since 1981, and we can see our giving records. And you, you at least ought to have seven years because the IRS requires that you have seven years of tax returns, you know, that you keep at least seven years because if you're ever audited, they will go back that far. And so you ought to be able to look back, and there should be increase. You ought to be able to look at your giving records and say, you know, God's prospered us. We've increased. We have increased. And so we are increasing, and so there's degrees of prosperity but all of us have some areas of lack in our life. We none of us have all that God wants us to have. None of us can give all that God wants us to give yet. And and, uh, and this church I know is not financed to the degree that God wants it financed yet. Now we've been it's it's, it's done really well for a baby church that's three years old. We're doing tremendous. In fact, um, the accountants are um, say say man you are you are really doing awesome for a three year old church and for the size congregation you know. But Still, we're not doing all that God we have we have plans, we have vision, we have things given to us from God that we can't do for one reason, and that's because they're not funded. There's equipment that the nursery says, I I would like to have this. We can't we don't buy it yet because of funding. You know, there's and, and of course pastors constantly having to prioritize and things like that. Wouldn't it be nice not to have to prioritize just to say, okay, nursery, you know, Leanne says we need that, order it out. You know, Barry says we need this. Order it out. He says, That's why God wants this church to be. We need a new building. We'll just tell them we'll take it, and you know, Hallelujah. We need a church van, which is something we've been believing for for uh, you know six or eight months now. Uh, a fifteen passenger van. We need one. Let's just let's just go down to the Ford house or the Dodge house or whatever and pick and pick it out and drive it up here to use for youth trips and prison and all sorts of things that a church band, you know, is needed for. See? Amen. So all of us could prosper more. God wants you to prosper more. Don't leave it up to, well, you know, let those people over there prosper and I'll just keep giving what I'm giving. No. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be able to be able one of those givers. Amen? And so the, the end result of this teaching is that you will prosper more because you'll think different. You'll look at it different, okay? So one thing that just to point out just before we get into prosperity, obviously you can tell that we're going to talk about financial prosperity here. But I don't want you to think that Pastor and I do not understand that prosperity is all-encompassing. It's it's health. It's relationship prosperity. It's emotional prosperity and peace of mind. Prosperity is all-encompassing. But for but in this teaching, we're going to focus on financial prosperity. Because the Holy Spirit told us that's where your need was. Your greatest need was to get those things in order for 2000 Amen? amen. And to get over there in those places. Okay? So what is God's will for prosperity? That's one thing. Now, one thing we're going to do tonight is look at a lot of scriptures. So are you all ready for Bible drill? Turn to Psalm 35, verse 27. And we're just going to let the Bible speak for itself here. I'm not going to give you just a lot of examples or anything. I'm just going to let the Bible speak for itself on this subject. And we can trust the Word of God. It is true. It is true. And we do not have to explain it away. Psalm chapter 35, verse 27. And most of you know these scriptures. But we're going to look in depth into them tonight. What is God's will for prosperity? That's what we're looking at. Psalm 35, verse 27 says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. The Bible says that if you are God's servant, that God has pleasure in your prosperity. Amen? That's good news. Now the Hebrew word for prosperity there is shalom. One of the places that you see the word shalom is pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You know, the Bible says for us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the shalom of Jerusalem. And so that's a familiar word to us. We know that Hebrew word. We've been taught it. But actually the word shalom means safety. It means welfare. It means health. It means financial prosperity. It means peace. And it means rest. So the word shalom is all-encompassing. It does not just mean peace. And there we know that God, he said, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in your safety. He has pleasure in your welfare. He has pleasure in your health. He has pleasure in your financial prosperity. He has pleasure in your peace. And he has pleasure in your rest. So God has pleasure when we prosper. Now, you know, if we just have one of these, man, everything's bad, but we have peace. Well, God has pleasure in that, a small amount of pleasure, but He's not. He doesn't have complete pleasure, does He? If you have peace, but you're laying on the bed dying of cancer, God doesn't have pleasure in that. He has pleasure in your health. If you have health, but you are mentally tormented, God doesn't have pleasure in His children walking around mentally tormented, and neither does He have any pleasure in any lack in your life. He has no pleasure. Any lack that you have. If you can't buy your baby shoes tonight and they need a new pair of shoes because their feet have grown, God does not have pleasure in that. He has no pleasure in that. Amen. Hallelujah. Now go to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. We're doing Bible study tonight. Sometimes we preach... But this is the anointing tonight is not for preaching. The anointing is for teaching tonight. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. It says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Now the word rich there in the Hebrew means to accumulate, to make self rich, to grow rich. The blessing of the Lord. When God starts blessing you, you will grow rich you will begin to accumulate. Amen? You'll begin to accumulate so much that you will have to give things away and get rid of it to get it, you know, because we've got too much. We're accumulating because God's blessing. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19. Y'all there? It says, Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth And hath given him power to eat thereof, and to take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. So he says that when God gives riches, it's a gift. God gives riches as a gift, but he also gives something else with them there that that verse talks about. He gives you the power to enjoy, to enjoy the riches. Turn to Isaiah chapter 48. Now see, these are right there. If we didn't have any other scriptures, we have enough to prosper on, don't we? See, every word in the Bible is important. And God didn't say anything that He didn't mean. Praise God. Isaiah 48, 17. You should be pretty close when you were in Ecclesiastes. Go to the right. Isaiah 48, 17 says, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. Now let me ask you. He says he the God teaches us to profit, and He leads us by the way we should go. Would God ever lead us into anything that was contrary to His will? No. So it must be that profiting is His will. Because God would never lead us to something that was contrary to His will. The word prophet there is the Hebrew word yawal. And it means to ascend, to benefit, and to be valuable. Actually, if you look at that in the Amplified Bible, it says to ascend to the top. He teaches us to ascend. To ascend to the top. He wants us to be on top. When God said, I want you to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, He meant it. Amen? And he said he would teach you how to do it. That implies that we got to rely on him and we're going to have to ask him to show us how to do it. Amen? And you know, there's no age limit to this. I want to encourage you, Kevin and Karen and other students or whatever that might be in here, not to wait and say, well, you know, when I graduate and get my college degree, I can start prospering. I mean, it really isn't... Now, listen, aren't most college students dirt poor? (laughs) Like <laughs> all they talk about is lack, isn't it? But you know what? It don't mean hey, there's not and, and hey, no, let's don't even stop there. Children, God wants them to prosper, yes. to ascend to the top. Teenagers, God wants them to prosper, to ascend to the top. Amen. Praise God. We need to just start believing God and asking God. Now, you said you wanted me to prosper. Show me how. Show me how to prosper. And there's a way. John 10.10, we'll go over in the New Testament for a while. I know Chris has told us that at the bank where she works, that the topic in the break room and so forth is how black is is lack. We're so broke. We're just so broke all the time. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, you're going to have to have some, you know, that stuff is catching. Especially, and so you're going to have to have some strong word in you to keep that stuff from getting on you. Because first thing you know, you're thinking lack. You didn't mean to, and you know better, but all of a sudden, the comments that they've made about the economy and so forth, you know, are beginning to affect you. I know I read something this week. You know, I don't even know what I was reading it in. But it said, uh, At the rate of inflation, the way inflation's been going the last 20 years, that now a $50 restaurant dinner, a dinner that costs $50 now, in 2020, I know what it was. It was from an investment company. In 2020, that dinner will cost $183 or something like that at the rate of inflation. And all of a sudden, you can just start thinking, oh, my Lord, well, we'll never eat out then, you know. Uh, no. No, 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 we'll prosper. And what, 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 God, we'll have, if we have enough, we can believe God to eat out now, we can believe God to eat out then. Amen. 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 You know, my dad, he's, I'm having to work on my parents about this because they're getting to retirement age. And retirement, all of a sudden, you start getting thinking, oh, Lord, you know. And my dad, you know, he told, you know, well, now, Rita, we're going to have to cut our income now. And so she said, oh, okay. I'm going to not get my nails done and all the things that, you know. So, okay, we're going to, we're going to have, because, you know, now we're going to, we're not going to, I'm not going to have that salary coming in every month. And, I, and, and you know, and, and then we were talking about the cost of living. It's so much higher in Tuscaloosa than it is in West Texas where we live. Very much higher. And so uh, uh, I said, well, you know, I said something about we let you move out here or something, you know, just in passing. And he said, well, yeah, we couldn't afford to live out here. I said, yes, you could. I said, when you have to have more, God gives you more. Mm-hmm. So otherwise, how could anybody live in New York City? Yeah, they have to have more. God gives them more. You have to have more. God'll give you more. Amen. So if inflation goes on at the same rate, we'll have to have more. God'll give us more. But see, you got to keep those things fought off of you all the time, cause it's coming at you from every direction. Amen. Okay, we're at John ten ten. You got there. The thief cometh not. For to steal and to kill and to destroy, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now we're very familiar with this scripture, but the word life there, God, Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life, is the Greek word we're familiar with, zoe. is the O-E. And it's the absolute fullness of life. It's the God kind of life which He imparts to man. Now God doesn't have any poverty, does He? So there's no way he could impart poverty to his children. Because he doesn't have any. And Jesus came that you might have or that he might impart to you life. Or life as God has it. Or the absolute fullness of life. And then he says he came that you might have it more abundantly. That word abundantly there is the Greek word perissos. And I may not be saying these right, but that's... I'm doing my best. And it means... Now listen to this. Now this is where we're going to get our mind renewed tonight. Because this is where we're going to kick out that old thing of... Oh, well, you know, God, He wants to meet our needs. But He doesn't really have anything... He doesn't really care if we have our wants. This scripture right here. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. And that you may have it more abundantly. I want you to get this definition if you don't get any others tonight. Because this abundantly there means more than is necessary, hallelujah, super added, extraordinary, surpassing, the sense of beyond, super abundant in quantity, or superior in quality, excessive, preeminence, Exceeding abundantly above, more abundantly, and beyond measure. Now I'm going to go through all of that again. <laughs> I'm going to go through it again. So, so, but because I, I, but I wanted you to get this. Do you see how big God's thinking, and what what Jesus came to give you? Not just life, which that is always a pretty little thing right there that He gave you. Life as God has it. Y'all ever noticed, read about the streets of gold and stuff like that? Life as God has it? That's pretty good. Then he said, and it more abundantly. Okay, abundantly means more than is necessary, super added, extraordinary, surpassing, the sense of beyond, super abundant in quantity, or superior in quality, excessive, excessive, did you know God wants to be excessive with you? And why don't we just let him? Why don't we just let him be excessive with us? Amen. Preeminence, exceeding abundantly above, more abundantly, and beyond measure. Now, do you now do you understand what the Holy Ghost is saying when He says that the body of Christ hadn't even come close to the perfect will of God? When it comes to finances. Because exceeding. Abundantly. Beyond. Super added to. Excessive. Not just what you need. Excessive. 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 Not just what you need. Not just what you need. Not just Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all your need. Not just that. Excessive. Super added to extravagant, if you would, a beyond. Hallelujah! Well, I mean, let's just hey, let's just believe it and take it. Amen. Let's just believe it and take it. There's only one reason that we hadn't had it in this church, you people that are here on Wednesday night. There's just one reason. You just didn't know it was the will of God. God's not withheld. He's not. You hey, we're not waiting on Him. He's waiting on us. You just hadn't known it was available to you. And then, and you know, the devil, he whispers in your ear and reminds you of the things of religion that you've been taught. Well, maybe God has a purpose in this lack that we're going through. He's teaching us something here. No, you're going through lack because your mind's not renewed or you hadn't released your faith. And sometimes the reason we don't release our faith is because Satan's whooping us with condemnation. You don't deserve it for some reason. Amen. But listen, if your blood washed, you deserve it. Amen. God intends for you to have it. He Thank wants God. you. He wants Thank you to God. be a demonstration. The Holy Spirit told me we pray, we talked about this at prayer last night. He told me. He said, "This church, this church, Word of Life Church." Now you look around, you'd say, you know, why didn't he pick the one downtown with that's got the, all the stained glass windows and 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 the carving and the you know all of that in the organ with. All those big pipes and all that stuff. Why didn't he pick that church? One reason and one reason only. He'd love to use a church like that. One reason only. They just don't believe the word. Not because they have the organ and the pipes. He's not. He's not. He's for it. If you're for it, he's got some of those in heaven. So you know, we we you, sometimes you get to thinking, well, you know, he he likes these he likes these little churches that are you know those little, you know, those little modest buildings. No. He likes that that gold-plated piano that Jan Crouch has and that gold-plated staircase and that. He likes that. It's fake, probably. And he has the real thing in heaven, but... Hallelujah. He likes it. Amen. Amen? He likes it. Now, he doesn't like that religious stuffy feeling that you get when you go in those places. He don't like that. But he likes beautiful buildings. He likes cathedrals. He just wants the Holy Ghost in there. And he wants the Word of God taught in those places. Amen? And he wants them to take all that money they got in the bank. And I want to tell you something. There's some churches in Tuscaloosa that they got big money in the bank. I'm talking big money. I mean, it's big money in our perspective. Probably in God's, it's not. But he wants that money out there being used. He wants it out there in the mission field. He wants it, you know, he doesn't want us to be a big storehouse saving up for a rainy day. You know, got the preacher on a tight string, you know, not letting him spend any. Because we might, you know, we want to save up. Amen. A lot of churches are saving up, not doing anything, not winning any souls, not doing anything. Won't let the youth minister have hardly any money. Got money in the bank. Won't let the youth minister. We really don't want the youth in their church. They might mess up something. Oh, it's begun. That's preaching. <laughs> <Yeah, that's preaches. laughs> oh, yes, sir. <laughs> and, you know, just keep it, you know, keep it, keep it real tight. Okay, so abundantly we see is... It's out there. It's excessive. It's it's the superior. It's added to. Now, Pastor and I hadn't walked in this. We hadn't really had the as much revelation of it as we need to until recently, and we began to believe God for this. But, you know, God was getting it to us as much as he could without us believing for it. I know, you know, we thinking about selling our house and stuff and so we've talked to some people about it and and you know we've had person look at it and everything a realtor to just kind of see you know you know just kind of feeling out the waters actually hadn't done anything yet but um uh and you know she said well you know these these appliances in this house, they're, they're an upgrade from what most builders put in houses. And this, you know, this linoleum or vinyl, actually, you could call it now, uh, this is an upgrade. This is better, superior quality than what most builders put in a the house they build and stuff. And I thought, and, and so when I was praying this teaching, I just, this came back up my heart. And I got, well, see, God, what you did for me, and I didn't even know to believe for it. And you directed to me to a house that a builder had done that for, and, and and I didn't even know to believe for it. How much more could he do if we knew about it and we cooked up with him and got an agreement with him and we started believing for it? Amen. Amen. The excessive, the super added to. I know Colin and Chris bought a new house recently, and the builder just from a mistake. He somebody made a mistake, and when they brought the wood out, they brought the wrong length, and they got nine foot ceilings in the house and only had to pay for eight-foot ceilings and so forth. And see, super attitude, and we didn't even know to believe for it. Just getting the revelation recently to start believing for this part. Now, I've been believing to prosper, but not believing, you know, specifically to be, to get over there, way over there and get the super attitude. Amen? Romans 8.32, let's go there. See, I was going to get a lot. Well, I'm going to keep going. Thank you, Jesus. We'll go, huh? We'll go faster. Romans eight thirty two. I know Kevin and Ann. While you're turning, I'll tell you that they playing this new song that uh, that uh, what's her name? Wheaton Karen Wheaton did, and it's uh, they said such a powerful song, and that she sang it one of Benny Hinn's meetings, and people started jumping out of the wheelchairs when she sang it, and um, just a powerful song. And so they said it the Millennium Party. Of course, they had hired a. Uh, Uh, pyrotechnics guy to do some sort of a show at midnight, you know, and uh, so they played this song, or they sang this song, and Kevin played, and they had this, and when he got to that part, this, the pyrotechnics guy had this wall of fire come up in front of Kevin, you know, as he played his trumpet, and I told Kevin though, I said, but we want the real thing. We want the wall of fire, the glory of fire. We don't want it from a pyrotechnics guy. <laughs> so so like that gold staircase, we want the real thing, don't we? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Okay. Romans eight thirty two. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us glory. all things? Glory. Now no doubt the most precious gift ever. Was the Son right, Jesus? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. We're not discounting that. That that's the most precious. But He says He will freely give us all things. When God, if God didn't mean all things, God shouldn't have said all things. Amen. Now, religion explains the word away. But God intended for us to be able to take His Word at face value. And if He said He freely gives us all things, then bless God, He freely gives us all things. Amen. Amen. Right. Amen. Ephesians 3.20. See, this is not just Old Testament. We're finding plenty in the New Testament, aren't we? I just ripped my Bible. There's a little piece. <laughs> I was believing for a new one anyway. So... <laughs> Ephesians 3.20. I just, you know why this rips easy, because I about wore Ephesians out of this Bible. We pray this a lot in the prayer room, and Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Think about that. We read through that so fast, we don't think about it sometimes. Think about it, exceeding abundantly. So in other words, it exceeds abundance exceeding abundance, exceeding abundantly, above all that you could ask, think. How is it, though, according to the power that works in you? Well, we need to get the power working in us, don't we? Well, there you go. We got to get the power working in us, because then God is able to give us exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. The word there... Um, uh, well, I won't even—I don't even have the word for that one, so we'll just keep going. Third John two. I don't have time to give you the words for every one of them. Third John two. Real familiar scripture to you. Third John two. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. And that word there, prosper, that I desire that you prosper, is the Greek word euadu. And it means to succeed in reaching, to succeed in business, a prosperous journey, to cause to prosper and be successful. Beloved, I desire what? Above all things, that ye succeed in business, that ye have a prosperous journey through life. That you that you prosper and that you are successful. Now, for a few minutes before we run out of time, let's look at the opposite of prosperity. And let's learn what prosperity isn't. Is by looking at what it's not. Psalm thirty four ten, and we'll go through this quickly. Psalm thirty four ten, and we're going to learn some things as we look at these scriptures about why people don't prosper. Psalm thirty four ten. This won't take long, and that way we'll be on track for next week. Psalm 3410. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. So will those that seek the Lord have lack? No. And so if we seek in the Lord, if we're seeking the Lord and we still have lack, either we don't have a renewed mind, we don't know it's God's will for us to have it, or we fail to rise up and take it by faith, or we like we said before we've disqualified ourselves because of condemnation in other words we've believed the devil's lie and we're not taking it because we feel condemned or we don't feel worth it or or you know we feel like our past or our sin or the mistakes we've made financially or any of those things in other words we've done what kevin said we're holding on to the past and we're not forgetting those things that lie behind on a hourly basis or a minute by minute basis you got to forget yesterday you know Amen. Praise God. Okay. Um, Proverbs chapter 6. And look at verse 6. I need a new Bible. The the pages are falling out. But you know when you like your Bible. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Go to the the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler... Provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth in thy wont as an armed man. So here we have some reasons for poverty. And I, I went through this verse by verse and said, Okay, what are you saying here, Lord? And he said, Okay, a reason for poverty is being a sluggard. We know that would be being a lazy person. It's also being failing to provide and gather. He said he talked about the ant goes and gathers and 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 gets what they need. In other words, we could translate that in our day is we don't if we're not taking the opportunities, we're passing up opportunities that God gives us. We could have poverty because of that. And then he talks about another thing that causes poverty is excessive sleep. Excessive. sleep. Okay, And um, some people are trying to get prosperity, but they haven't dealt with laziness. In other words, they're not being diligent. And we need to judge ourselves here, not make excuses, not just have a pity party, well, God, you know but my circumstances, because you will not change God's mind. If you're being a slugger and you're being lazy, if you're getting excessive sleep, maybe you're sleeping till the last minute in the morning and you're not even preparing yourself spiritually for the day. That's being a slugger. That's being lazy. And sometimes that happens because we're sitting in front of the TV at night, too late, not getting enough sleep, can't get up in the morning and prepare ourselves for the day. And prepare ourselves to to be in tune with God and able to recognize the opportunities that He gives us. And plus, preparing ourselves to have the faith to take the opportunities. Even if God in His mercy says, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you don't have faith for it, you won't take it. And so we have to be prepared in faith to take the opportunities. And the sluggard doesn't prosper. Okay? Turn to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 15. And we need to judge ourselves in this. And... Uh, not, not just a, not. And sometimes we judge ourselves by our own yardstick instead of by God's yardstick, Amen. Proverbs chapter ten, verse fifteen: The rich man's wealth is his strong city; the destruction of the poor is their poverty. So here we find that God doesn't destroy people, but what destroys poor people. Poverty. You say, well, I don't understand how poverty destroys people. Well, think about it. If a poor person needs medical care, sometimes they can't get it. Sometimes a poor person can't get the food, the right kind of food to eat, and so they're destroyed by their own poverty, aren't they? Sometimes a poor person can't go get a job because they don't have a car, so their poverty is destroying their employment opportunities. Because they don't have a car, so poverty destroys the poor. God doesn't destroy them. God's not destroying people, is He? No, uh, that 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 is a, a good point. That there, Proverbs eleven verse twenty four. You're right there. It says there is he there is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tendeth to poverty. So another reason for poverty is failure to give. When you don't give, you may you'll be in poverty. Okay, failure to give. Proverbs um, uh, 13, just turn over a page. And verse 18. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. So, another reason for poverty is caused by when we refuse to be instructed. In other words, we're not teachable. Or people, you can't take correction. Can't take correction. If you can't take correction, if you can't be reproved, if you can't be taught, then it's going to tend towards poverty, isn't it? That's what the Word says. That's a reason for poverty. Proverbs 23, 21. 23, 21. It says, For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. So there's three reasons for poverty. Drunkardness, drunk, drunkardness, drunkenness, Gluttony and drowsiness, or there we go back to excessive sleep. Proverbs 24, verse 30, Twenty-four thirty. says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles and, and had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. And then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy wont as an armed man. And so he gives us some reasons there for poverty. And there, one of the reasons he said slothfulness and, and, you know, we need to put... If you don't have a field, put ever what it, it put in there. I went by the house of the slothful. I went by the yard of the slothful. I went by the business of the slothful. If God comes by, what does He see? Amen? And so slothfulness, lack of understanding is one thing I wrote down there. It says He was void of understanding. He didn't understand principles, did He? Listen, you, if you don't understand the principles, you're going to miss it here. You may say, "Well, I'm not lazy. I went to work today. I came home at five o'clock, and I and it's okay for me to just sit down in my easy chair and not do nothing the rest of the night and get up the next morning and go to work at eight o'clock." No, it's not. No, it's not. You there's things to be tended to and seen to, and there's there's time to be spent seeking God, and there's time there's time to be spent praying and asking God for if you want to prosper. I'm talking about. If you want to prosper, you can't just say, but I'm tired. I came home, I worked an eight-hour day, and now I'm tired. I'm going to sit in front of the TV, and God's going to prosper me. No, He's not. In the first place, it's not up to Him. It's up to you. Amen. That's the first reason He's not going to prosper you. But that you just, you're not ever going to prosper that, that way. Listen, the rich people in this world, most of them got rich because even though they don't know God, they're diligent people. Now some of them inherited and so forth, and we're not counting that, but they're diligent. They may be diligent at sin, but they're diligent. They work hard at sin. And they're working hard at it and they're prospering because of it. And we have to be diligent. And there's some other reasons in here. Not caring for your property. Now that hits home in the body of Christ. Not taking care of your property. It's a principle. Listen, if you're believing God for prosperity or if you're believing God for a job and you say, well, Debbie, I'm believing God for a job and I prayed. I've already prayed. There's nothing else I can do. Yes, you can. Get out and sow a seed come to the church and we'll put you to work. Get out and sow a seed. I told Eric that this week. He's made a change in his scheduling at school and he, he uh, has some of his regular lawns he still does and everything and he cleans the church but he's got extra time. He's getting out at 11.25 every day and he's wanting some jobs. He's wanting some things to do. He's wanting to make some money. So, you know, he's believing God to prosper. I told him to be Tuscaloosa's first high school millionaire. And, um, uh, you know, and, uh uh, he's believing God for it. And I said, Okay, sow a seed. Here, dust, mop my floor, uh, clean the windows. That's seed. That's seed. It's you know, God, I'm I'm out there, I'm sowing. You know, instead of mama having to clean this week, when I came home there was some stuff done. He's been sowing seed. I can we came home from Birmingham and most of the Christmas decorations were dealt with. Except the ones he didn't know where they went, he's sowing seed. He's believing God. Well, we need to do that, all of us. You believe in God for something? Sow a seed. Go work. Go go mow somebody's lawn. That go go rake somebody's leaves. Go wash somebody's windows. Hallelujah. Sow a seed. I need a job. Maybe I need a better paying job. Sow a seed. Ask God. Faith has always got an action, a corresponding action. Faith does not say, Father, I am believing you for a new job. Honey, What? where's the remote? Well, I'm hurting them tonight, Pastor. They're going to be saying, Well, oh, give us our pastor back. <laughs> <laughs> excessive sleep. He goes into excessive sleep. Do you all realize how many verses that we've seen that talks about excessive sleep? We probably need less than we think we do. But we don't need to abuse our bodies. But if we really got the right kind of sleep, if we really went to bed at a good hour and got those good hours, you know, they say the best hours are before midnight. How many How many Christians are staying up too late? How many, listen, I tell you, sometimes you can be lazy working on your computer. Some people are working hard all day on a computer. It just depends on the application there. But you can sit in front of a computer and that can be laziness. And I'm telling you, it is the, big, that, the Internet is one of the biggest time wasters in the whole wide world. I've been there, I know. It is deceitful. I mean, and you're going to find things you don't want to find. That you don't have any business finding. Now, you know, the Internet's a good thing. And if you've got a purpose, go do the purpose and then shut the thing off. You know, and there's things that, you know, are helpful on the Internet. There's research you can do, and and it could be a great time saver. Tremendous time saver instead of waster. It could be if you applied it right. Amen. So we got to do, we want, do we want to prosper? Amen. And another, there was something else wrong in this man's life, and that was he didn't have a good work ethic. Didn't have a good work ethic. Teach your kids to be hard workers. Most kids today are growing up with no work ethic. No work ethic. Most girls do not know how to clean house when they get married. They do why? Mama did it all. They don't know how to cook. Most boys don't know how to work. They've never had to work. They've had everything handed to them. Give them a work ethic, and you have to start young. You can't wait till he's 15 and say, "Kid, get a life." Besides, if you'll work them hard, they'll want to leave <laughs> when they're 18 and stuff. <laughs> My mother worked me so hard that on Saturday morning, I literally would, when I was a little girl, would open the window and sneak out the window trying to get to go play instead of having to work. My mother, she was a, she worked you. She didn't believe in you not working when she was working. And Michael Michael told me, he's told me before, Debbie, you think if you're working that everybody in the house has to be working. I think it's ungodly for a mother to be working and the kids. I believe in getting in there all together and getting it done and all of us resting. And I tell you what, you can clean house fast. you got four people working on it. About one hour. About one hour, we got a we got a pretty good sized house, about one hour. When we get all now, I can't get Colin to come do it anymore, but when if all four of us get in there and listen, men, now while I'm there, <laughs> bring it, bring it. let me tell you, if she's got a job, you're responsible to clean house. If she stays home all day, well then she's responsible. That's good, that's good. But if she's working eight to five, it's just as much your responsibility. Amen. Amen. And your pastor, he he does that. Hey, I work I work alongside him in the ministry. I have as many responsibilities in this church as he has, and uh, he gets in there. He gets in there. Now we're you know we 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 like to hire it done, but sometimes we know when when that's wisdom and when it's not, and uh, and we get in there. And you need to get in there, man. If she's got a job. You need to get in there. Amen. Amen. You say, well, I should be you know, what about if I, I don't have a job but I stay home with three or four kids all day? You need to get organized. Your problem is you're not organized. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, now I've got over there. <laughs> Most women aren't, you know. They're not. They're not organized in their housework. They don't know how they don't know they're not organized. And so, hey, you want to prosper? You better get that kitchen cleaned up, that floor cleaned. I don't, you say, well, I don't have a nice kitchen. Well, you take care of what you have and God will give you better. Pastor and I lived by that principle. We had garage sale couches, sofas or whatever you want to call them. We had garage sale sofas. We didn't let the kids eat, eat on them just because they came from the garage sale. We took care of them. We took care of that old that little cavalier we drove. Dear God, Dear thank God, and we took care of it. Pastor washed it. We see cars in Tuscaloosa, and Pastor'll say that car's never been washed. He can he can tell. I mean, you know, when they are mildew all over them, you know, <laughs> you can pretty figure out nobody ever washed the thing. You know. Listen now, and y'all are think I'm y'all may y'all think I'm the most cruel mom, but I tell you, my boys have a work ethic. And I promise you, you think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. Two years old, I hand them a dust drag. I say, see them chair legs right there, and see. And besides, they can bend a lot easier. I mean, they're they're already down there. They're on the ground already, you know. And you know, it may, it's not always perfect, but I mean, I did. I, I I really don't think I was a mean mom. My kids know how to work. So you need to make them work. Listen, Daddy, if you got a teenage son, it's a sin for you to be mowing the lawn and that teenage son not mowing it. Mom, you got daughters, it's a sin for you to be washing dishes. It's a sin. My mother never sinned. She never sinned. No, she did not sin. This woman did not sin. I remember one time, I don't know what was wrong with the bottom of my feet. They were sore. Somebody told me it was something. I forget what they said. But my feet were so sore I couldn't walk. I stood on my knees and washed dishes that night. Oh. Really? Huh? I imagine she knew if I could think of a reason, you know. Now, I guess if you know, because it was one of those things they were sore, but you couldn't see any blood or anything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's a sin. You say, well, they got so many school activities. Well, you need to get rid of some of them. Yeah, amen. That's right. You need to get rid of some of them. That's right. That's my mom was pretty smart. Listen, she didn't have the Holy Ghost, and she said, back in my day, pick two, pick two, pick two. You know, we let our kids run us. Well, see, see, she's egging me on here. Well, we gotta quit. We gotta quit. We we, we missed one last scripture. I'll just give it to you for homework, okay? Proverbs 28:19, write that down. And Proverbs 28:27, actually two. And study that out this week, 28:19 and 28:27. And then next week we'll come back and talk about prosperity some more. And and we kind of got the medicine over with tonight, I think. You know, the, what causes poverty? Let's stand up together.